Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm a little sad because our topic is a little sad today. Yes, uh, uh, listeners, um, uh, Nia and I, uh, late last year, so uh, while uh, when we are recording this, uh, it's early in the new calendar year. Um, so for of our 2022, listeners, sorry, yes. if you're listening to this way in the future, yes, okay. this is 2022. So we've for, survived so far. Yes, right. Um, and, and, and for our, our faithful listeners, uh, Nia and I wish you a, a, a happy new year. Um, but we are recording this um, uh, a couple months after uh, the death of um, a, a political figure that Nia and I uh, uh, believe um, had a huge impact on American politics. And, it, and even if we cannot convince you that he had uh, a huge impact on American politics, um, he certainly had, I would contend, um, he reflected, if, if you will, um, the scope of American politics for most of the 20th century. Um, and who we're talking about um, is uh, uh, former Senator uh, Robert Dole, uh, Bob Dole. Um, and uh, for our listeners, um, particularly our younger listeners, um, you may have come to age, uh, certainly politically after uh, Bob Dole's career had ended. Uh, Bob Dole uh, was born in Russell, Kansas in 1923, um, and, uh, and Nia, uh, if you will, um, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and give the thumbnail biographical details, and then we can kind of sort of delve into uh, Bob Dole's political career in more detail. But he was born uh, in Kansas, as I just mentioned. Um, uh, uh, he grew up in a very small town. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, and this was the kind of sort of at the height of the depression, right? I mean, because- um, 1923, know, was, right. Yeah, 1923. I mean, he didn't- So he even, would have been what, six or seven when the, 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 when the, the crash- stock- Right. Yeah, the stock market crashed uh, in the country's economy, and for that matter, the world economy um, uh, crashed. But also um, in Kansas in the 20s would have been partly the, the Dust Bowl. Bowl. Yes. Right. Um, so born in again, hard times, born, yeah, born in hard times. Yeah, born in the hard times. Um, he attended the University of Kansas on scholarship, um, but before he concluded, um, his college career. Uh, he joined the army and he was seriously wounded in World War II, near the end of World War II. Can, can we make a small um, 
digression, sure. uh, of course, because the, that's, that's how what this we works. do. <laughs> uh, that's what I know. We live for digressions. So um, the University of Kansas is known for its sports team. Uh, if you yes. are if you are in the NCAA, right, then you know that Kansas has a monster basketball team, right? They've they've they, they've always had uh, great programs, and he was quite the athlete, was he not? Like he went, didn't he play all the sports with all the people for all the teams at, he, at Kansas? He, he played basketball, football, and he ran track. So that's. This, and those are elite teams and have always been pretty elite teams. So yes. Yeah. Okay. He was no slouch when it came to physical things. Yep. That's um, going to be important in a minute because yeah. of what happened to him during the war. So he was seriously injured during the war. And we're going to talk in much more detail about that. Um, but then he comes home. Um, and goes through just excruciating rehabilitation. Um, go finishes college on the GI Bill, um, and uh, after a short period of time, he then runs for elected office, first in the Kansas State Legislature, um, but then um, for the United States Congress in the House. Um, he was in the House for a short period of time. Uh, then he ran for the Senate um, and became a longstanding member of the United States Senate. He ran for the office of president, I believe, four times. Four times. Uh, the first time he didn't win the GOP, not, well, in fact, the first three times he did not win the Republican Party nomination uh, uh, for president. The last time was in 1996, where he got, he lost handily um, to the incumbent Bill Clinton. Um, and when he ran that time, he uh, resigned his seat from the Senate. And that's how his political career ended. Okay. Um, and for listeners, Bob Dole, because of Nia, you know, because of our age, Nia, I mean, Bob Dole was um, <laughs> a central it, figure in politics. For central figure. When I, when I became aware of politics, like that's the thing. So your first what 12 or 14 years of life you're like politics what's that right you, you don't care you, you who's president what none of that matters to you unless something big happens like watergate and you vaguely are aware of it but in my lifetime watergate was when i was very young yeah. very young so i don't remember it um i remember seeing newsreels of it later, not newsreels, but news reports of it later, but I don't remember it in real time. But he was one of those, like Clinton was, that election was the first election where I really paid attention to politics because I was of an age where I started paying attention to politics. And, and I had opinions and thoughts and I could vote and all those other sorts of things. So in my mind, he looms perhaps larger 
than he does for people now who have come into their political into their political power now because he was old school but he was he was um very serious and very sort of the point of of being in politics is to serve like if you don't want to serve if you don't want to if you don't care about the public, if you don't care about your constituents, then get out. You're, you don't belong here. He was very much like that. He would not have been into social media. He would not have been no. a person who would have run to the cameras and been like, pick me, pick me, Lindsey Graham. I'm looking at you. Um, although if Lindsey Graham passes, which I'm not wishing for by any means, but if he does, we will also do a retrospective of his career um, because he's been very influential. But yeah, I mean, but Bob, Bob Dole, Bo- I don't know. He's just he was well, sort I mean, of a backbone figure in politics when I became aware of what politics were. Yeah, and it, it, and one of the more fascinating things when he passed, Nia, you and I both uh, commented that though we were acutely aware of Bob Dole's role in American politics you know, in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, we, both of us were unaware of his struggle and courage after he was injured in World War II. Oh, so can we talk about that for just a minute? I, I seem to remember, and I could be wrong, um, but I seem to remember that he was left for dead. Like they thought he was dead. And so, or at the very cusp of death. And so the medics moved on and were working on other people. And then someone else came across him and was like, this guy's not dead. We should, that's how badly injured he was injured was that they didn't have hope for him surviving removal from the battlefield at first. That's pretty awful. They didn't have hope that he would survive when they removed him from the battlefield. They did not have hope for him when they sent him to an army hospital. They didn't think he would survive the trip across the Atlantic back to you know, a stateside hospital. Um, he basically, um, because of how he was injured, um, it destroyed Um, his shoulder and the use of one of his arms. Um, The shell also affected his back. Um, So for a period of time, he couldn't walk. He was paralyzed. He learned how to walk again. Okay. Um, And I mean, there are verified stories of the rehab he went through, okay? Um, that if you read, read them, listeners, you're just like, who does this, right? Three years, three years he was in the hospital. Yes, right? And then after he gets out of the hospital, he had to go through a rehab. And by the way, this is rehab before rehab became, if you will, a medical science. Exactly. This is rehab in the 40s when it was basically one step below witch doctor. Like I it, mean, 
this is like self-inflicted torture. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, and he does that, and he still wants to serve. I mean, he's definitely a part of the quote-unquote greatest generation of Americans because not only did he go ahead and give up part of his young life, I mean, you know, as Neil pointed out, if you went to the University of Kansas and you made the basketball, football, and track teams, you had some physical talent and skill. Right. He may have been a professional athlete. Okay, but he comes back from the war and he's physically devastated and he still wants to serve. Okay, I mean, this is a logic that would completely befuddle many current Americans. Right, right? and (laughs) let's keep in mind that as behind as we are in rights for folks with with, um, different abilities right now, and we are, we're still pretty far behind. This is way before ADA. This is way before... um, cars are made for people to get around this is way before any of that stuff like everything that he did when he think about campaigning for your first election when your arm doesn't work when you are i mean i'm sure that at first he had trouble walking he had trouble standing he had to do all these things that you have to do in a campaign Right. It was, it was, I mean, to think about pushing through all that. Campaigning is physically arduous. Right. Okay. Nia, you and I have discussed this in a previous podcast episode that one of the things that campaigning is designed to highlight for voters is does this person who is running for elected office have the physical stamina? Right. Okay. To do the job. Okay. And think about how Bob Dole, how that was even more difficult, because even after his rehabilitation, this is a guy who, you know, for the rest of his life, did not have use of one of his limbs. Right. right? His left his left arm, I think, was his yes. left arm. I, I'm picturing him at conventions. Yes. Um, where he where he would he would insert you know. a pen into the hand of the non-functioning arm so it looked like okay he was doing something with it right but the okay but the other hand was the functioning hand right um the so there's that physical courage Nia, right it's also he represents a kind of politician that we don't see very much today. On one hand, when he first started out, Nia, by all accounts, he was a very reliable, partisan, Republican member of Congress, right? I still remember when he was, uh, when he ran um, on, uh, as vice president um, on the Gerald Ford presidential Uh, campaign in 1976 he was the bad cop to gerald ford's good cop right (laughs) okay at one point after the star wars movies came out the media referred to him 
as the GOP's Darth Vader, <laughs> right? So he was that, that kind of hyper-partisan, right? But he evolved and changed the longer he served in the Senate, okay? So when Reagan wins the presidency in 1980, and on his coattails, the Republicans regained control of the Senate, Bob Dole, because of tenure, became the chair of the Senate Finance Committee. And Bob Dole went from, okay, GOP first and only, to somebody who was willing to cut deals, okay? So if the Reagan administration wanted increased funding for defense, but the Democrats in the House wanted to maintain LBJ's Great Society spending on domestic programs, Bob Dole in the Senate made it happen, right? He cut deals. At one point later on in his career, when Newt Gingrich, okay, um, and his band of, of you know, hyper-partisan Republicans uh, took control of the House of Representatives, Newt Gingrich referred to Bob Dole, I believe the expression was, um, what was it, the paymaster for the welfare state? <laughs> What was the expression? Uh, tax, I have it. Tax collector for the welfare state. Yeah, the tax collector for the welfare state, right? Bob Dole ends up becoming a consensus builder, you know, a deal maker in the Senate. Right. Um, he, well, you know what he was? He was an old school centrist in the sense of or moderate maybe would be a better way to put it in the sense of, I got to give a little to get a little. Yes. This, this is how, this is how it works in the hyperpartisan world in which we currently live. The idea of anybody giving anything to get anything is just like, people are bananas about that sort of thing. And they get all fussy with each other. And, and, you know, he was of a, of a group of folk in, the best um, politics that we have are the politics between the moderates, the ones who are willing to say, okay, let's come to the table and see what we can agree on, because we've got to agree on something. It's impossible that we would be diametrically opposed on every single issue. Like, that's not even a thing. And he just, he was one of those people who recognized that the other thing about that, that sort of diametrically opposed is assuming that your opponent is your enemy. And I don't know that he assumed that his opponents were his enemies. I think he assumed that they were misguided and could be led to the proper path. Because <laughs> like many politicians, he did have a, a bit of hubris. But I think he also didn't, I think he thought that people who were in the opposite party probably still wanted to serve their country and serve their constituents. He didn't break it down to, and the reason you feel that way is because you're evil, like, like we yeah, do I, now. Yeah. And I, I miss that kind of. So you always knew that Bob steadiness. Dole, you always knew that Bob Dole was a Republican. And a conservative. Yes. On the other hand, Okay, 
you know, he was one of the members of Congress who pushed for the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990. Exactly. Okay. That feel good liberal thing. Right. He (laughs) except he could tell you what it meant to be a person who was who was living with a different ability and had to. Yes. And had to make compensation for that. Like, I know he believed in small government, but he also believed in the GI Bill. He took the GI Bill. Yes. I mean, he he, again, by today's standards. okay, I'm not entirely sure. okay, uh, uh, conservatives in the state of Kansas. Um, would uh, vote for him or whether or not the, the, the state GOP would run him for office because he was full of contradictions. Right. This is, you know, as you just pointed out, on one hand, he was a small gov- government conservative. On the other hand, okay, his life benefited because of the government, okay? And he uh, knew that that could work for other people too. He wasn't it, it, the only for me, not for thee. He was like, okay, this is a good thing. Yes. What we need is what we need is moderation in government spending. That's yes. That's where um, Dole came down. I think, which you know, it would be really nice if. But I think you're right. I think at this point he might be seen as a commie liberal in Kansas. You know what I mean? Or, like, dude, or, or at least a, or at least a sellout. Okay. How dare oh, you? Right. You know how dare you? I mean, think Why about. Why would you work with those people? You know, think about, for instance, what happened to former Speaker of the House, John Boehner from uh, uh, Ohio, right? You know, Boehner was Speaker of the House before Nancy Pelosi. So, you know, he's a figure of this millennium. But by the end of his career, okay, you had Tea Party Republicans in Congress who are like, we can't trust him because he's willing to cut deals with Democrats. He's willing to go ahead and play golf with Barack Obama. Can we trust him? Exactly. And like, wow, that's I mean, terrifying. again, nobody, okay, who looked at John Boehner's record would think he was he was a <laughs> he was in any way liberal. I mean, come on. Yeah, there there, there is an acronym today. Um uh and uh, uh you probably have heard of it, Nia, a rhino. Right. A Republican in name only, right? Um, and you know, Boehner at the end of his career was, you know, there's derisively referred to as a rhino. And I was just like, what jump who who are these who are these people referring to? Right? Right. Because you know, Boehner believed that there were things that Congress had to get done, whether it was a budget or whether or not it was taking a look at what you know the, the public wanted. And it was his job to find a way to get it done. Okay. But you know, to put brakes on it, right? You know, to, to go ahead and say, you know, what would be acceptable, okay, if we're no longer in the majority, what would be acceptable to conservatives? How do we right. cut a deal? Bob Dole became a deal cutter. Um, the other thing that just utterly fascinates me, and I don't know if it fascinated you about Bob Dole's career, is he ran for president and lost four times, right? 
Is it four times or is it three times? He ran in 80. Oh, yeah, three and times. And 88. Yeah, 80 and, and 88. He kept coming back for a beating. Yes. And, and a person who does that believes they have something to offer. Yes. You would not go through the grind, the meat grinder, sorry, vegetarians, the, the, the blender that is a presidential primary if you did not firmly believe that you had a place in leadership. You just wouldn't. It's so hard. It's so invasive. It's so and it's continual, right? Once you declare, everything you do is analyzed. Everything. Yes. Oh, I see the candidate dog and is walking across the street. I wonder what that means. What? What's he? <laughs> why is he crossing this particular street at this particular time of day? Is he speaking to someone in that building? Right? Like all of a sudden it becomes. And he's like, no, he's going in there to go to the bathroom and leave him alone. Right? Like. But everything becomes... He's got the blue coffee mug instead of the red coffee mug. Right. What does that mean today? Today he must be feeling particularly liberal in his feeling. Like, stop! So, Um, uh, I don't... You know, that whole... And then it also embroils sometimes your spouse. Sometimes it embroils your children. And and so making those decisions when you have a family is really also complicated. And he had two wives. Yes. Um, he, <clears throat> right, cause he wife. married very young. Well, not very yeah. young. He married just out of rehab yeah. like the first time. And they were married for a long time, 30 some years. Yes. Um, and I think she passed away. I think. Now I'm struggling to remember. Um, and then he married Libby Dole. Well, who I know to be Libby Dole because she's from North Carolina, right? So there's my connection to. Uh, yeah, you want to talk about uh, a Washington, D.C. power couple. Right. right? Um, and she was something. Well, she, she is something. She, um, uh, again, for listeners, um, she was the Secretary of Transportation in the Reagan administration. Um, And then uh, afterwards, um, uh, her and Bob Dole get married. um, And uh, she ran for the Republican Party nomination in uh, what was it, 2000, uh, the year the Republicans picked Bush. Um, But then she ran for uh, and, and won uh, uh, a Senate seat from the state of North Carolina. Yes. She, I think she served one term, right? Uh, correct, Nia? Yes. Yes. She served um, one term. Just a, an interesting individual all around. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for me. Oh, no, he divorced his first wife. He's, he divorced she his died first wife. A, a, later after he had married. Libby Dale yeah. been married to her 20 yeah. years or so when his first wife died. But um, again, an oddly, an odd thing for a conservative to do. But, you know, it well, particularly Bob it, it, just didn't fit any, I think, any particular mold. Uh, and again, um, uh, you know, there's so many things that I find fascinating by Dole, uh, about Dole. 
um, his evolution as a politician, um, the contradictions. Yeah. And he was kind of, he, he was comfortable with those contradictions. Um, right. And again, in today's politics, um, contradictions are harped on. Um, and I don't know about you, Nia, but, you know, m- most human beings have contradictions. Oh, um, Bob Dole was all for the MLK holiday. Yes. That is weird for a Republican politician. Yeah, particularly from, you know, the Midwest, right? I mean, how many votes was that going to win? I'm exactly. sorry. I that... mean, I, 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 I hate to <laughs> nope. be so crass yep. politically. But how many votes was that going to win him? Exactly. And how much aggravation was it going to cost him? And yet he thought it was the right thing to do. And, and I, if anybody has been to the World War II Memorial in, in D.C., it's beautiful and it's stark. And we have it in part thanks to Bob, Bob Dole. Dole. I mean, Bob Dole oh. was on TV. He was on radio. He went around the country raising money because again most of our dc memorials have not been paid for by funds from the united states treasury right right? um whether it be vietnam world war ii okay um you know uh the holocaust museum okay i mean these are raised by private funds bob dole was forever on tv right right um uh you know what else he did and i have to admit that i didn't think it would happen like no i i I didn't i didn't think it would happen either and when they broke ground i was delighted for that but i was i was also i just thought oh this is going to take forever but that's a person who again with that dogged yes midwestern we don't give up we don't surrender you know attitude and and the way he spoke (laughs) <laughs> again was was from a different generation right yep. he was dry he was droll okay you would you had to watch his face to figure out whether or not he was being sarcastic or sarcastic <laughs> yep right? and he also delivered um sort of these these he had a great sense of humor about certain things particularly about himself. Right. I mean, you had, hardly... you had in here a quote and I, and after I read it, I remembered it where they asked him if, how he felt about losing the election. Yeah. And he said, last night, last night I slept like a baby. And then he paused and he said, I woke up every two hours crying. Yeah. And, and I was like, I remember him saying that. And I remember thinking, good for you that you are, that you're that um self-assured that you're not just crumbling somewhere in a you know yeah i don't know i i I mean this was a guy who was on the precipice of culminating his political career by winning the presidency and he just i mean he got destroyed right Right. i mean it wasn't even close yeah i think he took kansas but i'm not sure he took anything else like he was I, i think it was uh 320 something to like 160. I mean, it wasn't even really close, right? Right. But nevertheless, okay, he still had the self-awareness to go ahead and answer that question by making fun of himself, but also pointing out to the acute listener, okay, 
that this did matter. Right. I mean, this, this was effectively the end of his career because he, he resigned from the Senate to run um, uh, in 96. Um, and uh, I mean, it was. And I he mean, retired he was, from politics after that. Yeah, I mean, after that loss, clear, he's yeah, still, he sent a very clear message to the voters, right? You know, you know, I'm I'm all in on this. Okay, I don't have a fallback position. I mean, because you know, many people say they are running for president, but if they don't get the nomination or they lose, you know, they retain their seat in the Senate, or you know, they're still governor of a state. Bob Dole didn't have that fallback. Right. Not okay. Um, and again, I also I, think it was a, a very a lovely sly way of saying, "Why would you ask a person about this? How do you think <laughs> I feel?" Right? Like it's such a rude question, and it's such a obnoxious thing. And we and reporters do it a lot, where they're like, "How do you feel about your house burning down?" Well, how do you think I feel, idiot? <laughs> I'm not out here dancing in the streets. So yeah. yeah, I I I mean it was on multiple levels that that worked as a as a um rejoinder. But I also just before we before we wrap up, I want to I want to mention that um so he when he was in the hospital in after his injuries he was there with two other people who became senators. Um, Daniel Inouye. From Hawaii. And Phil Hart. Um, from Mich Michigan? Michigan. Yeah, yeah, Michigan. Yep. And <clears throat> I want to point out that when we talk about the greatest generation, one of the things that we're talking about is the fact that none of these three people made hay of being um of having been injured and of having ongoing physical problems it's the same thing you found with with mccain right they were not people who talked about well i'm so i'm so injured i need special anything blah 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 none of that None of that. No, yeah. they, they were like, you treat me like you treat everybody else because I can do exactly what everybody else can do. And that um, dignity and it and it's one of the reasons I think that him being a, behind the ADA is is so um, touching for me emotionally because he wasn't asking to be treated special, he was asking for equity. I need you to give me what I need to get the job done. Yes. Not, I need you to make special whatever allowances for me. I don't need special allowances. I just need what I need to get the job done, which yes. is what ADA was getting at, right? People who wanted to get on a bus, but couldn't get on a bus because they were in a wheelchair. They're like, I don't want you to give me a special van. I want you to make the bus accessible for me so I can get to work and do my job. Yes. It's, 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 a, it's a powerful thing. And it, and it makes me think a lot about those people and the way that they have served the nation, not by asking to be treated differently, but by asking to be treated equitably. Yeah. But, and Nia, before we uh, close uh, this particular episode, 
Can I share an anecdote? When I was, um, I did an internship uh, in the United States Senate or for a United States Senator in the 1980s. Oh, absolutely. And it's about Bob Dole. Oh, well, so, of course. Uh, I'm doing an internship with a Democratic senator um, in the United States Senate. And this particular senator gave a speech um, uh, to an organization that was not a big fan of Bob Dole. Okay. And the event went on much longer than we thought it was going to be. <laughs> and the Senate was supposed to cast a vote um, uh, on a spending bill that afternoon. And Bob Dole was the Senate Majority Leader at the time. So we get into uh, the, the limo to drive from um, uh, uh, the Lincoln Memorial back to the Capitol. And my Senator, this was in the middle of the summer, and my Senator was, was gulping down water and gives me the phone and tells me to call up Senator Dole's office. So I call up Senator Dole's office, the majority leader's office, and I'm fully expecting to get one of his staffers to ask that the vote be delayed 20 minutes. And instead, I get Senator Dole. Okay. <laughs> picked up his own phone. He That's up, so awesome. He picked up his own phone. And I said, you know, I'm so-and-so. I'm on Senator, you know, so-and-so staff. Um, and um, uh, my senator uh, would uh, request that the vote be delayed. And Senator Dole says, <laughs> well, of course, he goes, though I am slightly disappointed, I was not invited to speak at that <laughs> event, right? And, 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 and he held off on the vote, right? I mean, we got stuck in traffic. I mean, you know, we were easily, you know, another 15 minutes late, okay? But Dole, okay, refused to start the vote until my senator could make it into the chambers. And even then, okay, waited to get, in, uh, waited for me to come down and speak to the parliamentarian to make sure that my senator was ready to vote, okay? That's the kind of person Bob Dole was, right? Um, and, and that's kind of, for me, one of the things that may be missing um, in today's politics to where, you know, Bob Dole knew that my senator, okay, was going to vote differently. Okay, was going to vote. Oh, no. okay. So okay. he was not getting a, a vote for his side. No. I mean, he ah, knew this. He knew that, this. That makes that even more civil. Yeah, I mean. He, That's a civility we are lacking. He knew this, but he was just like, you know. Because you he, asked me nicely. You, you know, you, you asked, okay. And yes, you were at, a, at an event that I was not invited. <laughs> but nevertheless, you know, Senate Majority Leader Bob Dole was just like, no. Okay, the entire work of the Senate is going to be delayed until all of our members 
okay, are present and are ready to vote because that's what we do here. Right? Ah, that's okay, a that's, good note to end on, Augie. That's what that's, we do. Yes. That, yep. that really shows his civility as a gentleman in politics. Yep. yep. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, Nia. All right, we'll talk soon. Yes. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.